Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, welcome to Canine Master on Pet Life Radio. You know, today we're going to talk about saying yes to the yard. We're going to talk about how to prepare to spend the warm and spring summer months outside with your pooch. You know, here on the East Coast, the allergies are flowing amongst us all here, but the flowers are finally popping up and we want to spend more time enjoying the weather in our yards and to hang out with our dogs. But the problem is, after a long, cold winter, many of our dogs need to brush up on their outdoor manners. They really haven't spent a lot of time outside and they, we got to get them used to it again. So today, we're going to discuss many of those unwanted behaviors that our dogs may be likely to sort of show and exhibit in the warmer months and how we can fix them. We have so much to discuss that we're going to get right back to you after a few words from our sponsors. Tired of wasting money on giant bags, boxes, and jugs of litter that don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter that lets you use less and get more. World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to deliver outstanding odor control and easy cleanup. It's lightweight, 99% dust-free, and pet, people, and planet-friendly. It's even flushable. Make the switch to World's Best Cat Litter and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Now that we are spending more hours outside, we need to reestablish outdoor manners so our dogs know what to expect and what is the best way to prepare them for this. So what are some of the unwanted behaviors? You know, Jamie... Isn't it kind of crazy how we're getting into the summer months here and, and everybody's sort of contacting us saying well, about my dog doing this and that, but we also have people that are living in this warm weather all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting clients whose dogs were well-behaved through the winter. Now that they're spending more time outside, they want to talk about house training the dog to one area of the yard or stopping digging from the flower bed. So it's a really popular topic for this time of year. Yeah. So digging and eating things out also, I mean, every dog tries to pick up a stick and then people start to freak out. You know, people are also starting to be around the pool. And how many times do we see dogs have bad pool manners? And as you said, pottying in one spot, you know, Dogs dig for many, many reasons. And what I will tell you is, is that digging becomes a real big pain in the rear for many of our customers and our clients. So what are the reasons why dogs dig? Well, one of the reasons why they dig in the summer is to stay cool. You know, we see certain breeds tend to do that, but they dig holes and it generally ends up right in your, in your plants and in your, your sort of flower beds. They pick the most soft dirt where you probably just put down mulch, right? I mean, we see that a lot, don't we? But they dig and then they lie down and they dig these deep holes and it really becomes, a really messes up all your gardens. What are the other things, Jamie, that they're talking about? I think they start to bury bones. Bury things and it's just hard because it's hard for them to be outside and supervise the dogs all the time. And when they go back out there, there's holes and things are messed up and poop everywhere. And another thing is containing them is that they're chasing things in the yard and they want to be able to keep their dogs safe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the other reasons why, uh, besides keeping their dogs safe, is that they start digging for predatory reasons. You know, right around now, you're going to see those moles. 
starting to hit your lawn. And when I see that I have moles, you know how I know I have moles? Is that the dog will actually start digging lines. He'll dig on the surface, not digging down deep. And he'll dig and he'll dig in another spot and another spot. And it's shallow digging. And you know what? When you see that shallow digging, guess what? Are there holes for moles, like little holes in the yard? No, so what they do is the moles sort of stay on the surface of the grass, so the dogs will just dig along the surface, and you'll see these sort of lines, and then you know you have moles. So then you're going to have to get somebody to help you with the moles. The other reason why dogs dig is, as you say, trying to contain them. They try to escape, and that is a different type of way to fix it. We'll talk about that. The other reason why is boredom. They're bored. They dig because they're bored. And, of course, the last thing that they do is – is they dig because they're anxious. And sometimes we see that. So some of these digging behaviors are, are similar to fix. We're going to come up with a bunch of different reasons to do this. And others are more difficult because it's hard to supervise our dogs 100% in the yard. Let's talk about why dogs dig to stay cool. I hear about Nordic breeds being a big one to dig to stay cool. I used to have uh, years ago a Samoyed mix. And it seems that that dog was always digging holes in the flower beds and might used to drive my father crazy. So those heavy coated dogs many times will dig to lay against that damp, cool dirt and it cools them off. Those are the breeds we think of in Alaska out in the snow that, you know, they're very comfortable in those type of climates. Yeah. And this is a survival way of uh, also, I mean, they're trying to survive. This is instinctual. And I think that that's a really cool guy. So one of the things you can do, well, I had, we had one client do a baby pool, right? They put out a baby pool. They filled it up with a little bit of water. And I think their Samoyed was lying in the baby pool. Another place is the basement, the cool basement floor or in the garage. And what other things, Jamie? I think there's some great products out there as well. What is that one? It's um, There's some gel mats yeah. that if you freeze them and you put them outside, they stay cool for longer. So giving the dogs a place where they can get cool can prevent them from trying to get cool from the earth by digging. Yeah. And I also think that taking a, a towel and soaking it in water, putting it down, and sometimes they lay on that as well. So there's these kinds of things can actually help you. You know, it's the same dogs that are going to sit on that tile floor in your foyer in the summertime to try to stay cool, right? Yep. So, um, yeah. So the other thing that reason why dogs dig is that they're, they're trying to bury things, you know, they're hiding stuff. And this can really be an issue. You know, you give your dog a bone and he takes it and he goes and buries it. I, we just gave Dave a, uh, a turkey neck yesterday. We do it for the teeth and he took the turkey neck, didn't eat it, ran outside and buried it right away. So burying is a, it can be a problem, especially if they're burying it in your places that you want to keep nice. In your vegetable garden. In your vegetable garden. So one of the things you could use is when you go to see him start to bury, you could use a marker word. And we've talked about this in stopping some of these unwanted behaviors. You take a marker word such as enough when he starts to dig. And then you could take a squirt water bottle with a stream on it, go over and squirt him on top of the head and the ears. He's going to realize that every time he goes to dig, you say enough. And he's going to go, oh, here comes a squirt water bottle. And he's going to stop. It's important to set it up, not just wait for it to happen so you can be prepared and catch him in the act, right? Timing's important. Yeah, exactly. And timing's important. And also making sure, you know, so when you set it up, you might try getting a, a bone that you know he's going to go and bury, right? I mean, I think that works out. So one of the worst things you can do is let the dog watch you dig in the garden. Let's talk about that. I can't tell you how many times I'll see people are saying, well, when I dig, my dog digs. So he's sort of mimicking the behavior. And so what I tell people is do not have your dog watch you while you're planting your vegetable garden because your dog's going to get the idea that this is family digging time. And that can be, that can be really a tough thing. Then I also had a client who designated part of their sandbox. So the kids were digging in the sandbox and the dog would go out and dig in the sandbox too. At least the sandbox became the place to dig and it was a designated spot. So I guess that's something you could do. You know, putting 12 inches of sand in a sandbox 
with their toys. The dogs will, they might be able to love it. It, it could be a great activity. Again, encouraging digging is probably not the best thing to do. But if you have a real digger, directing them to certain spots may be something that's helpful. Predatory digging, you know, how do we know if it's predatory? So again, we talked about those moles and, and surface digging. And if they dig multiple little holes, it's generally predatory. This is another one, you know, it is a little bit harder to fix because it's predatory. So curbing a predatory instinct is a tough one. One of the things I would say is you might try getting somebody to help you get rid of the moles or the rabbits so that the dog doesn't do the predatory digging. I don't have any real quick fixes on predatory digging, except for really monitoring your dog and then using a marker word with an adversive of some sort, like a squirt water bottle when they start. But again, if your dog's predatory instinct is really, really strong, it's not gonna really matter. It's not gonna really help you. Get rid of the molds in the first place. Could you try and occupy them with something else in the yard, like a bone or something that might distract them from all the little... Yeah, I mean, I think that is a good thing. I just think that, you know, sometimes dogs' prey drives are so high, you could sit there and try to distract them all you want, and they're just not going to stop. So, again, probably getting rid of the moles in the first place will probably help. All right, how about digging to escape? So, a lot of people are using those underground fences, those pet containment systems with the electric wire in them. If you have a dog that is digging under fences and escaping, escaping can be very, very dangerous. And some dogs just seem like they just want to get out. So what I would recommend doing in this case is because you can't always supervise him. Let's face it. You put the dog out and he starts to dig and gets underneath the fence and out he goes. Well, a couple of things you can do. You can use that electric wire fence. I would bring it about three feet in front of the fence. He's going to get himself electric stimulation and not going to want to go near the fence to dig. Now, that said, I'm not a big fan of electrifying your dog at all, but I do know that some people have a hard time containing their dogs and that real fences are very, very expensive and so expensive that many people can't afford them. So, so dig under them. and you can dig under them. So if you find yourself having to go that route, I would find yourself a really good company that's reputable, that has a very good training program. Anybody can shock a dog, but a good trainer with these kinds of fence systems, the dog won't even get shocked if they really are doing their job right. So finding somebody who has a good training with the system is the best way to go. If you are going to do a regular fence system, if you're going to do a regular fence, you can dig the wire down about two feet. If you can, that's a lot of work. And then you bend the fence. It goes down two feet or down 18 inches and then bend the fence to the inside. So you actually do a bend in it and that goes another two feet so that when the dog goes to dig down, they actually hit wire. That can work. A lot of farmers will do this uh, for keeping predators out, out of their livestock. And this will actually, it works really well when doing a real fence. But again, real fences are expensive unless you have the manpower or the desire yourself to put your own fence in. It can get pretty expensive. So you should go and dig a hole and go out and collect. Here's, okay, hold on. I was just thinking of something. When a dog digs out of boredom, let's talk about that. When a dog digs out of boredom, they're usually digging a deep hole and they usually dig in the same area. So I'm gonna give you guys a, a technique that's an old you know, the old timers used to do this for dogs that dig. What they do is you take some poop, some of their poop. You dig a hole that is where they have been digging and you stick the poop in the hole and you cover it with a small layer of dirt. So let me explain. You're going to get some poop, generally their own poop. You're going to stick poop in the hole that they're going back to and digging and you're going to put a small layer on top. 
And sometimes this works. I'm putting, I'm just saying sometimes this works. So when the dog goes back into that hole to start digging, he's going to dig and he's going to hit poop. And many dogs are going to hate that experience and it'll become very, very unpleasant and they won't want to do it again. That's an old technique. Old timers use it. I have seen it work. I've seen it not work. If your dog's one of those dogs that loves to eat poop, bad exercise. Don't do it. Okay. And don't let them see you do it. And don't let them see you do it. Yes. Thank you for that. All right. So anxiety digging needs to be addressed with a good obedience program or a good leadership program with a lot of structure. Dogs that have anxiety, dogs that are digging out of anxiety are usually digging because they don't have a good leader. They're in the decision-making process and they're not a happy dog inside. So go back and listen to some of my other shows about how to become a good leader. And I think that you'll find that anxiety will go away. Dogs that have anxiety are not happy dogs. And what they need is they need structure to help them relax. All right. And would you suggest not leaving them in the yard alone with this anxiety? Well, yeah. I mean, I think not leaving them alone is not a bad thing to do, but I also think that a dog that has anxiety is going to, it's going to manifest itself in so many different ways. You know, so if you keep him inside the house, he's having anxiety. Anxiety needs to be addressed differently. It's just a symptom of the anxiety that they're outside digging. So I would actually get into that leadership program, teaching your dog not to be in the decision-making process. Relax. We've got it covered and they'll start to relax and stop the digging. Okay. One of the best deterrents I want to talk about, so anxiety or boredom, is getting your dog enough exercise. You know, we, we really need to talk about that first, but probably it's the most important. If your dog is having a digging problem, go and get him some exercise. You could actually swim him, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Well, we have a lot more to talk about in problem solving for unwanted behaviors in your yard, and we're going to get right back to you after a break from our sponsors. Stay tuned to Canine Master on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back, right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. All right. You know the title of the show is today, Say Yes to the Yard. And another way we can say yes to the yard is by preventing all that outside dirt and water and mud from getting into your home. You know, you might try our Dirty Dog Doormat. You know, this Dirty Dog Doormat is a microfiber special blended fabric that traps the mud and the water and the dirt and keeping your floors clean. So when the dog steps onto the mat, what happens is it absorbs the dirt and the mud and the water and it doesn't track it into your home. This is an amazing product. We're selling them all over the United States and around the world. And it's called the Dirty Dog Doormat. You know, find out more about the Dirty Dog Doormat at caninemaster.com. That's C-A-N-I-N-E. Master.com. 
Okay, what about eating things in the yard? How many times, Jamie, are we seeing customers and our clients talking about my dog is just ingesting and biting and grabbing everything? Sticks and rocks and twigs and leaves now that they're outside in the grass, they haven't seen this behavior because they're not putting things in their mouth inside. But once they're outdoors, there's so much to explore and it really can be frustrating. And you know, I see people, it's generally new puppy owners because puppies picking up everything. everything. And here is a problem. There's a, there's a syndrome out there called PICA syndrome, P-I-C-A. And PICA syndrome occurs when the dog grabs an object and he wants to ingest it or own it. So he swallows it. And the reason why PICA syndrome occurs is that many people, when they get a puppy or a new dog, everything the puppy grabs, they get concerned that the dog is going to choke on it. So they go, oh my God, he has a stick. And then they run over and they try to grab the stick. Oh my God, he has a rock or he has an acorn or he has, you know, this item or that item. Now, you know, certain items are not good for your dog, but in general, you know, if the dog was left to his own devices, you know, you think that dogs like coyotes and wolves are grabbing objects all the time as puppies and their mom isn't taking this stuff out. They learn what to ingest and what not to. But by you panicking every time your dog picks up something, and you go to quickly grab it out of their mouth, two things start to occur. Either they start to get, they clamp down and they get protective of it, or they swallow it. But very rarely do they give it up unless you scare the, the bejesus out of them. So what I will tell you you should do is that if your dog grabs something in the yard, try to redirect them. You know, pick up a Frisbee or take a squeaky toy or something like that and, and squeak the toy. And when the dog drops it, just continue on about your day. Don't start panicking about everything that the dog grabs because you can actually cause a, a really bad behavioral it makes issue. makes the, the objects more valuable because you want them. The dog thinks you want them. And so they become more valuable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they become obsessed with picking stuff up. So start picking your battles kind of carefully, I would say. You know, is chewing a wood chip dangerous? Well, I guess it depends on the type of wood chip because some wood chips have dye in them. Is chewing a rock dangerous? You know what? It, swallowing a rock is dangerous. I mean, I guess a rock could change. But in general, I'm just not going to bother these. Grabbing a stick, I'm not going to really bother. I'm going to redirect them and it's something else. Now, I will tell you, one of, um, one of the people that works with us, her dog grabbed some poisonous berries, yeah, some right? Yeah, some toxic berries. And the dog was just out in the yard and came across these and ingested them and got very, very sick. And I guess the dog almost died, right? Yeah. And so you have to be aware of the types of plants in your yard and in your region um, so you know what to look out for so you can keep your dog from ingesting anything toxic. Right. And, you know, I, I think actually hiring a good landscaper, a landscaper come to walk your property with you and say, hey, what do I have here on the property that may be dangerous to my new puppy? right? So that's an important thing to do. So I'm not saying that there aren't things out there that are dangerous because there are fertilizers can be, you know, some of the fertilizers may not be good for them. And so you do want to be careful and get together with your landscaper and see what kind of products they're using on your yard. First of all, because a lot of times we do see people using pesticides tick and things spray, like this, spray, right? And, and then tick spray and things like this, but also what exactly, what kind of plants they might ingest that might be dangerous. One other thing you might do is teach your dog to drop it or leave it. So how you teach your dog to drop it? Well, I, I usually do an exchange of some sort. I will usually use a, a low item on the totem pole, so to speak, sort of like maybe with a ball or I grab something. And then we'll do an exchange. Like I'll take a treat and I'll say, drop it, show them the treat, drop them, show them the treat. When they drop the object, I'm going to take the object and exchange it for a treat. So teaching the dog how to leave it or drop it is a very, very, very good thing to do. Can that create them though? than picking up an object just to get a treat? Yeah, it could. It could. So that's something <laughs> I have seen that happen. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, as Jamie was saying, sometimes dogs will just drop an item because you've been doing this exercise so much. But I think that if you start to break it up a little it's bit, not, yeah, it's a good problem to have. But I, I definitely would teach my dog to 
to drop things. Where else might they pick up things, you know, when they're hiking or on, on long walks? And an interesting tip also, if my dog is one that chews sticks, I used to have a Doberman Pinscher years ago named Tyler. And Tyler, I think he ingested more sticks than he did food. And one of my veterinarians, I said, you know, I'm worried about blockage. I'm worried that my dog is going to uh, ingest these sticks and they're going to get caught in his intestine. And I'm going to have a vet bill. And at that time I was training dogs and I wasn't making uh, very much money during that time in my life. So a vet bill of $1,700 would have really set me back big time. So what this veterinarian told me to do, and I have done it since with clients, dogs and my own, is that you actually get Metamucil. Metamucil is that dietary, I guess it's uh, for people, fiber. fiber, Yeah. So what Metamucil does is it actually puts more moisture into the intestinal tract. So I take a spoonful, tablespoon of Metamucil, which is fiber, which builds up the moisture as well. And I would put this in the food, in their food. And this actually helps them pass things that might get stuck. Those little pieces of stick. Yeah, little pieces of stick. So Metamucil, you can get it at the grocery store and that will work really well. Anything else? I think that, uh, all right, well. I think that covers it, but it is, it's amazing how many times I go after a new puppy and, and the client is just grabbing everything out of their mouth. And so really preventing that PICA syndrome can start at a young age and just be aware of it and pick your battles. Yeah, exactly. I say pick your battles. Exactly. All right. What about the pool? Oh my, we hear about the pool all the time. How many times do I hear about the dog that is circling and barking the, the children when they go swimming in the pool? And the reason why the dogs do this is because they think they're trying to maintain control. They're getting all worked up. They're running around the pool. They're barking. I've even had dogs actually jump on the children or the people in the pool, which can be very, very dangerous, doing a, a total belly flop right onto their heads. So we need to be very, very careful uh, about dogs around the pool when they start to get possessive, when people are swimming. Uh, or they start to jump. When kids are screaming and yelling and splashing, it agitates the dog. They think there's chaos, and then they want to go out there and they want to control the chaos. So they circle the pool, barking and barking and barking. This is a behavior that can be very, very dangerous. You know, when I was a kid, I went over to a friend's house. Uh, I was out of college. I was going to get out of the pool, and a Bouvier, uh, and her name was Molly, and this Bouvier came in and grabbed me by my head as I went to get out. And it really freaked me out. So I will tell you, I hear about aggression when people go to get out of the pool, and I hear about dogs jumping on kids or jumping into the water and scratching kids. So this is a real problem. How do I fix this? Well, again, those leadership exercises that we've talked on previous shows is actually a really good thing. The other thing is move the dog away from the kids and supervise them. Always you know, move them away. When I say move them, actually take your body and your legs, not your hands, and shove them uh, about six to eight feet out of the pool area. And you do this over and over again. So basically what you're saying to the dog is, I'm in charge of these kids. By moving the dog away from the kids, the dog starts to go, ah, these aren't my responsibility. One of the other things is I've gone over, I think in the previous shows, something called the back exercise. And and this is where I take a rolled up towel. Some people call it a, a bonker or whatever you want to call it. Or I can use a squirt water bottle. And what I do is when the dog gets too close to the pool, I say back. If he doesn't back away, I may have a border or a piece of blue tape or something on the deck of the pool. And I say back and I, I bring him back over the line. If they step over the line, I uh, actually say a word like fooey or wacko. I pick up the bonker and I throw it towards them. Now, you got to be careful. You're not hurting the dog here. You're not trying to hit the dog, but you're throwing it to him just to startle them to get them back. 
it's serious. You, you can't take any risk. And I think because the pool is a place where parents are supervising their children anyway, then it's easier situation to take control because the dog won't be there unsupervised by you. So you can assert your leadership and let them know it's not their job to control the chaos. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, if your kids are in the pool and you're not around and you're not there to supervise this, you might, when I say kids, you know, your 14 year old kids, I assume that you're not having toddlers in the pool by themselves. But my point is, is that if you're not around, if you're not able to supervise, you might try the electric fence, the underground fence system, going around the pool and uh, and keeping them out of the, the area. That is an option if you have to. And then the other thing is just teaching them to go to their spot. You know, when the kids are in the pool. But again, that entails you supervising. But giving them a place to go when they're out there will make them feel more in control and less chaotic. If they can go to their bed and that's their job to stay there and that's where their place is. Right, right. So I do think, I just want to be really clear here. Aggression and dogs barking and dogs jumping on people when they're in the pool can be very, very, very dangerous. So this is a serious thing. If you're having a hard time fixing this, get yourself a canine behaviors or dog trainer to help you with this. I can't tell you how many lessons I do a summer or my other trainers do us every summer to stop this kind of behavior around the pool. And it is something you definitely want to handle because it can be very dangerous to the people in the pool. All right. One of the other things we talk about is, is potty training to the yard. Yeah, I've been getting so many calls about that because it's been a long winter. And now the dogs are outside and pooping everywhere. And so they want to know how they can encourage them to go in one spot so they can enjoy the bulk of the yard without stepping on poop. Without stepping on the poop. But also, how about those maniacs like my father-in-law over his yard? You know, he the yellow spots are driving him crazy. Oh, I, I have little pee stains, you know, where the, where the pee actually burns out the yard. So he's saying, how do we stop the dog from peeing in the yard? So it's literally the same process as you train indoors. So you basically are housebreaking them to your yard. And what we do is we, we pick an area that we want the dog to go potty. So we're going to pick an area uh, in, the, in the yard. Maybe it's towards the back of the yard where we're going to say, okay, this is where I want that spot to be. So what you're going to do is... Just like in potty training, you wake up in the morning, you take the dog on the leash, you go directly to that area. When they go potty, good potty and give them a treat. You could use a clicker to mark it if you want to. And as soon as the dog goes to the bathroom, you're rewarding them for going into that spot. If you catch them going to the bathroom in the wrong spot, immediately start sort of a verbal banter. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Grab them by the collar or by the leash if there are leashes on them. Bring them to the spot and have them go to the bathroom and then reward them in that area. So basically, you guys, it's the same way to the house break your dog to the inside of your house. You're yard breaking them to the outside of the area. And what happens is pretty soon the dog understands, oh, I'm supposed to go to the bathroom in that area. It's very hard though when you have multiple kids going in and out and doors being open because anytime the dog gets out and goes to the bathroom without being corrected, they learn it's okay. So really being consistent right now as you're teaching them is important so that they don't have access where they're not supposed and, to. And part of that consistency, Jamie, is actually making sure you're supervising. I mean, so once you start housebreaking the dog or yard breaking the dog to your backyard, it is so important that you're actually over the next few weeks housebreaking them and you have to be out there. You can't housebreak a dog or a yard break, I keep on saying house break, but really yeah. it's yard breaking a dog to not go potty in certain parts of your yard if you're not out there observing and being constant vigilance. Yeah. One of the things I did with one of my clients is um, have them set up railroad ties to mark the area so that 
the dog had a visual and then we removed the railroad ties one by one. And so the dog had a visual for the area. We even put poop in the area to encourage him to go there. And that's a great point. So if a dog smells, if you take a little bit of poop, not too much poop because they won't want to go. But if you take a little little poop or you clean up a pee mess and on a paper towel and you stick it in that area, they smell the pee, they smell the poop and they actually go back into that area. It encourages them to go back and repeat the same behavior. Now, one more thing. In your area, it is really important that you clean up the poop so that it doesn't build up. Because if the area becomes inundated with lots of poop, guess what, folks? Your dog's not going to want to go to the bathroom in that area. So too much poop is a bad thing. A little poop, a little fragment here and there will actually encourage them. But too much poop, the dog will actually find another spot to go to the bathroom. And a side note, which clients always find interesting, is try not to let your dog see you pick up the poop. Oh, yes. When a dog sees you pick up the poop, guess what? They think you want the poop, that it becomes a scarce resource. And guess what happens to that? We get dogs starting to eat poop because they want to own it. So again, when you go to clean up your yard at the summertime, don't have your dog do that with the dog inside. You go out and, and you clean up the area so the dog doesn't see it. You know, Chris, I had a client last year who had a puppy and she was amazed. The puppy was perfectly housebroken and had been a stretch of really nice weather and the dog was outside all the time. So the dog could just go whenever they wanted. And then once they started to spend time inside, the dog had a few setbacks because now he had to learn to hold himself again. So one thing I would say when you have a puppy and you're outside, they can go at will and that may affect potty training. Yeah, that's true. You know, it is a tough, tough situation. I do think that when you have a puppy, you're going to do things a little bit differently and it may be a step process. So, all right, we're going to get to some of your questions. Jamie, what questions do we have from our listeners today? Sure. Our first question is from Gina from Louisville. She writes, Chris, we love your podcast. I saw that you were going to discuss outdoor digging and I have a question. I have a Westie and she constantly is digging and scratching indoors on our road. Also, she tends to do this before settling in her bed. Please tell me why she does this and how to stop it. Well, okay. So remember we talked about that sort of digging to stay cool. Well, dogs naturally, canines will dig many times. Dogs will dig holes right before they go to sleep. If you take a look at one of my old blogs, I talk about in India where I have dogs digging deep holes in the sand and then they dig these deep holes so, and then they sleep in these deep holes as for protection. It is a natural canine instinct for dogs to dig a little bit to get down to the cool earth before they nestle down to sleep. So it's very, very, very natural. So digging on their bed is something that's a natural behavior. I don't think you're going to be able to stop it because it's something that is an instinctual response. It's sort of an instinctual response before I start to settle in. So it's not a bad thing unless it's actually ruining your furniture. And in that case, keep them off the furniture. And it would be the same for on the rug as well. Same thing on the rug as well. Yeah. Okay, next question. George from Denver. Hi, Chris. My dog is so distracted outside, every little squirrel or bird or noise, and she cannot relax and settle with our family to just be at ease. She's always looking to chase something. Is there anything we can do to have her be more relaxed when outside? Well, probably, here's the thing. She's really loving this. I mean, so we're looking again at predatory instinct, and your dog is literally in their heyday. So a dog with a high prey drive, they love to look at the birds, and that's why they're taking them on a walk. Now, one of the things that you can do is getting your dog to walk behind you. If you get your dog to walk behind you, and remember that dogs come pre-programmed to walk behind you from the time they're eight weeks old, and it's us here, mostly in Western civilizations, sort of Europe and the United States, where we get our dogs to walk next to us. And that came from the hunters, where they carry the rifle on the right hand, or they got their dogs to heel next to them on the left. But instinctively, puppies come pre-programmed to follow. 
And if they're following you, then you're in charge and you're in charge of the hunt. So if you have your dog walk behind you, then they're going to see you as controlling the hunt and they're going to be less likely to look at that and look at that and chase that because that's an instinctual response to them being in charge of the hunt. And if you're in charge of the hunt, then that actually will stop and, and those kind of behaviors should subside. Miguel from Florida. Hi, Chris. We have two labs who we adore. They absolutely love being outside and playing and chasing, but they are constantly destroying our flower beds and garden, even with fencing around it. We hate to limit their time outside, but it is driving us nuts. What else can we do? It is so difficult because we have two. Well, this is a tough one. All right. Exercise, exercise, exercise. We're going to talk about that. Go and take them for a swim. Get them in the pool. Swimming is a great thing to do with your dogs. It's non-weight bearing. You know, five minutes of swimming is like 40 minutes of taking them on a walk or an hour of taking them on a walk. It's amazing. You have two labs. Go take them swimming. They're going to really exhaust themselves, and, and this kind of behavior is going to subside. But if I'm really having a flower bed problem where they're digging in the flower beds, you know, it's management. You might try the squirt water bottle. You know, they start to go dig enough, grab the squirt bottle bottle and squirt them. Another thing you might do is go and get those electric fences, those ones that go underground, and have them circle each flower bed. Well, that's going to fix it right there. So even if you have a real fence around them, if by doing the electric fence, you'll find that the dogs will stay out of your flower beds. And that's a management technique. It's not cheap, but it does work. My last question, Melissa from San Diego. Hi, Chris. Thank you for your podcasts. So we have a five-month-old golden doodle named Rex, who is the love of our lives. We spend so much time outside by our pool, and we are not sure if having Rex allowed in the pool when the kids are in it is better or restricting him. We want him to be well-behaved and, most importantly, safe for everyone. What do you advise? Well, I guess I'm not really clear your question, but one of the things I will say is if Rex is going in the pool with your kids, is he scratching them? Is he going up to them? So sometimes one of the biggest problems is, is that dogs will come up to a child who's swimming and he almost goes to get on top of them. And the problem is that he gets on top of them, which can make them sink, could be a drowning hazard. The other thing is they scratch the children or you. So I will tell you, if you have a dog that gets in this pool and does his own little swim and doesn't get all over you, then they, it could be fine. But if you have a dog that actually swims up to everybody that's in the pool and tries to get on top of them, it's probably better to, to restrict him from the pool when the kids are in the pool and then have his swim time be separate. That's what I probably would do. You know, this is a good time to talk about dogs and swimming. Are all dogs born known how to swim, Jamie? No, and it's amazing. Most people think they are. They're just born knowing how. You know, I can't tell you how many times I see all dogs know how to swim. We had a man, you know, at the canine center at Dog on Smart, we have an indoor pool where dogs get to swim. And many people will actually rent the pool. And I had this man about a year and a half ago. He got a new dog and it was a, it was a yellow lab. It was a puppy. It was, I think it was around 12 weeks old. And he took the puppy and he just threw him in the pool. And of course, we saw this. We freaked out. We were like, what? Oh, no, you can't do that. And, and the dog started panicking and the dog was scared to death. And he goes, well, he's a lab. All labs know how to swim. They have webbed feet. And I was like, no, not all labs know how to swim. You know, just because he's a dog doesn't mean that he, he knows how to swim, especially those deep chested breeds, sort of like, you know, the boxers, the Dobermans and the bulldogs. I mean, a lot of those, you know, those dogs don't know how to swim. You really need to teach them. So what I would tell you to do is get yourself either if you have a what we call a shorty or a wetsuit, put that on or get a heavy sweatshirt and get them a life jacket, get in the pool with them and teach them safely and gradually and encourage them how to swim. It takes a little bit of time, but by having the life jacket on them, it makes them less panicky. And it also gives you some handles which are on the life jacket to control the dog. And this is really helpful. Yeah, another thing we wanna emphasize is that it's not just about teaching them how to swim, but how to get in and out. So sometimes we recommend putting a visual marker like a tree by the steps 
So when the dog like a plant or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. A plant. So when the dog is swimming, they have a visual guide to the exit, and so they know how to safely get in and out of the pool, not just about swimming itself. Yeah. So putting a planter by the stairs, think of it from their perspective when they're in the pool. So if a dog is swimming, it needs to be tall enough that they can see it from their perspective. So put your face close to the water, look and say, ah, I can see it from here because it all looks the same. All those edges to the pool looks the same. So teaching your dog how to get out of the pool, how to get up the stairs is a really, really safe thing because every year, every summer, we got dogs falling into the pool. And last year we had two clients, dogs that drowned. So something we got to teach our dogs how to do. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's it for today. And thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me today, Jamie. Oh, it was my pleasure. So visit us on caninemaster.com and join our conversation about dog behavior. Send us your videos and photos so we can see what's going on with your dog and to help you solve the problems with your dog. Goodbye for now. See you next time on Canine Master, where I will continue to help you master the relationship with your dog. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.